Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory, the helmet of salvation. Remember, our mind is control central of the body. It's where Satan enters our lives. And many times when we're in the heat of battle against the evil one, Satan will try to make us doubt our salvation. And Paul says, when you are facing the attacks of the evil one, make sure you have put on the helmet of salvation. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Have you ever harbored secret doubts about your salvation or wondered whether God really exists? If so, then you've experienced firsthand what it's like to be under spiritual attack. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress teaches us how to take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. All this month, we've conducted an in-depth study on preparing for spiritual battle. Our series is called The Divine Defense, and the purpose of this study from Ephesians 6 is to equip you for the constant attacks from your enemy, the Prince of Darkness. Now, because we're wrapping up our series, it's important that you request the helpful resources I've prepared for you before time runs out. The first is an exclusive brochure that folds out with six colorful panels and includes pictures and commentary that describe each item in the armor of God. And there's no cost. It's our gift to you when you request it by going to ptv.org. And time is running out to request your copy of my best-selling book that parallels our series. My book is called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. The temptation that regularly assaults you, the depression or illness that pulls you down, the private doubts you harbor about God, these are not always just natural parts of life. They're the private battles being waged against followers of Christ just like you. Request your copy of my book, The Divine Defense, right now while there's time before the deadline this coming Monday. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, let's get started with our study from Ephesians chapter 6. Today, we're talking about the helmet and the sword. Over these past months in our series on spiritual warfare, we've seen that each one of us is in a fight. We're in a death struggle, not against flesh and blood, that is, not against other people. Our struggle is against the very unseen but real forces, spiritual forces of wickedness. The Bible says there is a Satan. Not only does Satan exist, but he has a plan to destroy everything valuable in your life. Fortunately, God has given us the spiritual weapons we need to defeat Satan's plan to destroy us. But God wants us to do more than just survive Satan's attacks. He actually invites us to join with him in his efforts to reclaim this world, to overturn the kingdom of darkness and prepare it for the return of our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the first wave of attack on this earth as we prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. What are those weapons that help us not only defeat Satan's attack on our personal lives, but help us to move forward in reclaiming this world for God? Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul mentions six pieces of armor. 
And those pieces of armor for a soldier are really representative of six strategies you can use every day of your life to defeat Satan's plan to destroy you and your family. What are those pieces of armor? We've looked at four of them already. First of all, Paul mentions putting on the belt of truth. And that's a strategy. The strategy is to recognize ungodly, destructive thoughts that Satan puts in your mind and replace those wrong thoughts with God's thoughts. And then he talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. That is obedience. Obeying what you already know to be true. There is something about obeying what God has already told you to do that protects you against the Satan's attacks and the consequences of sin in your life. And then third, he talks about putting on the right shoes, the boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace. He's talking about there making God's business your business. If God's primary business is seeking and saving those who are lost, that ought to be our primary business as well. And when we make God's business our business, it has a way of keeping us centered and focused in life. And then we talked about last time the shield of faith. The shield of faith that a soldier would use, especially when he's marching against the enemy. That shield of faith means moving forward in God's plan for your life in spite of your doubts. Remember, that's what faith is. Faith is believing what God has said and acting accordingly. Now today, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. We're going to look at these two final pieces of armor, these two strategies that God has given us to win the spirit wars. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Paul says, and take up the helmet of salvation. In Paul's day, a soldier would never think about going into battle without making sure he had his helmet on. In the same way, Paul says, before we go into battle, we need to make sure we have the right helmet on. What is that helmet? He calls it the helmet of salvation. Remember, our mind is control central of the body. It's where Satan enters our lives. And many times when we're in the heat of battle against the evil one, Satan will try to make us doubt our salvation. And Paul says, when you are facing the attacks of the evil one, make sure you have put on that assurance of your salvation. Now, what do we mean, the assurance of your salvation? That word salvation is used in the Bible in two very distinct ways. And it's critical you understand what Paul is talking about here. When he says, be assured of your salvation, first of all, he's talking about your salvation from the penalty of sin. Write that down. Your salvation from the penalty of sin rests on the character, the faithfulness of God himself. And when he says we need to put on that helmet of salvation, he's talking about being secure about our position in Christ. But I don't think that's the primary meaning of this passage. I don't think he is so much talking about our assurance of salvation from the penalty of sin. He's talking about, especially when we're in the midst of temptation, we need the assurance of our salvation from the power of sin. That's what he's talking about here mainly. We have been saved from the power of sin. Have you ever been in an arm wrestling match with somebody before? You know how it is. You put your elbows on the table and you're going back and forth. Just imagine you're in that arm wrestling match there and your opponent is just always taunting you. Kind of with that trash talk. You know, saying, oh, look at those scrawny arms, you know. Don't you ever exercise? How in the world do you think you're going to defeat me? Blah, 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 blah. And they keep 
throwing that stuff out to you. Well, aren't you ready? Why do you go through this pain? Go ahead and give in now and get it over with. I mean, if you listen to that long enough, you'll finally give up and let your opponent beat you. Well, every time you're in the midst of temptation, Satan is doing his version of trash talk to you, okay? But it comes from a variety of sources. Sometimes the lies that come from Satan's mouth in the midst of temptation will come from a television sitcom that says basically this, said, well, you're only human. You have these natural desires. You have to give in to those natural desires. You know, not having premarital sex, not committing adultery, not giving in to this addiction or that addiction. Well, that's abnormal not to do that. If you keep those desires inside and don't express them, you could actually hurt yourself. I've actually heard people say that, you know. It is so abnormal not to give in to your desires. You're actually hurting yourself by not giving in to your desires. Sometimes that lie that we can't overcome sin comes from Christians themselves. They will say things to us like, you know, even though you're saved, you still have that old nature inside of you, that old set of desires, and you can never habitually be free from the power of sin until you die and go to heaven one day. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing could be further from the truth. Listen to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that salvation is not only for the hereafter, it's for the here and now. Right now, God has already saved you from the power of sin in your life. Listen to Romans 8 verse 2 from the New Living Translation. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says you are free, not just from the penalty of sin, you are free from the power of sin. Sin has no more authority over your life than you choose to allow it to have. Now, I don't give too many homework assignments in my services, but uh, I'm going to give one to you today, okay? I'm going to give you a practical way to put on this helmet of salvation. When you're in the heat of battle, when temptation is flying at you the next time, this is a practical way to put on this helmet. I want you to remind yourself of this scripture passage. Write it down, Romans 6, 11 through 14. Now, here's the homework assignment. I want you to memorize this passage of scripture. You say, well, I can't memorize. I, I'm just not able to memorize anything, pastor. Okay. What if I told you if you memorize this passage, I'll give you a million dollars. Do you think you can memorize it then? See, memorization isn't about ability. It's not about ability. It's about motivation. This passage, if you'll put it on, if you'll memorize it and remember it, when you're in the heat of temptation, it will save you from sin. That could be a lot more valuable than a million dollars to you. And here's the passage, Romans 6, verses 11 through 14. Paul says, Even so, consider yourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign over your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. And do not keep on presenting the members of your bodies to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. And present the members of your bodies as instruments of righteousness to God. So then, do not let sin be master over you. For you are under grace and no longer under the law. Now, if you will memorize that, 
The next time you're in the midst of temptation, remind yourself, I am dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. Sin has no more power over my life any longer. That is a practical way to put on the helmet of salvation. The final piece of armor that Paul talks about is found in Ephesians 6 verse 17 as well. And take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, when Paul talks about taking up the sword of the Spirit, that word sword does not refer to that big Roman broadsword I mentioned in a moment. You know, the soldier would be riding on the horse and he'd take out his big broadsword. He'd just flail it around hoping to hit somebody or something, and eventually he would. That's not the word here. The word here, sword, is the word makaira in Greek. It literally means a dagger. The Roman makaira was 6 inches to 18 inches long. And it would only be useful to a soldier when he was in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. When he was in hand-to-hand combat, he would pull out that dagger. And the key is, he had to know precisely where to strike with that dagger in order to render his um, opponent inoperable. Now, what is the dagger that Paul is talking about here? He said, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. He's talking about the power of Scripture when we're in hand-to-hand combat with Satan. What is it that makes the Word of God so powerful? Remember the words of Hebrews 4, verse 12? For the Word of God is what? It is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to pierce as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it is able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, that last phrase captures why the Word of God is so powerful. The Word of God is powerful in spiritual warfare, and to get this, not because of what it does to the enemy, but because of what it does for us. Remember again, the mind is command central. As a man thinks in his heart or mind, so is he. When Satan wants to tempt you, it will always be through your mind. He'll always put an ungodly thought into your mind. And the Word of God is like that dagger, that sword that can cut through the fog of Satan's deceptions when those deceptions come into our mind. The Word of God is alive, active, sharper than any two-edged sword because it is able to judge the intentions and the thoughts of our own hearts. That's what makes the Word of God so powerful in spiritual warfare. Now, just like the soldier had to use the dagger with great skill, So we as Christians have to use the Word of God with great skill when we're in the midst of temptation. Too many Christians, you know, use the Bible like that Roman broadsword. Well, if I just quote a scripture out here, maybe that will make the devil flee away. No, it doesn't work that way. Not all scripture will help you when you're in temptation. For example, men, let's say you're sitting at a computer terminal and you're typing away and one of those invitations pops up on your screen to go to a pornographic website. And so you're sitting there debating, should I look at this? I mean, after all, you know, I need to know the sin that's confronting other people so I can be an educated Christian. Maybe I, maybe I need to click onto that. Or maybe I shouldn't click onto that. And then you recall the sermon from Sunday. You said, well, you know, Robert said, the Word of God can help me defeat Satan's temptation in my life. So you're sitting there and you think, okay, I'm going to try this out and see if it really works. Leviticus 13.40. Leviticus 13.40. 
You know what Leviticus 13.40 says? Now, if a man loses the hair of his head, he is bald indeed. You sit there and say, okay, I'm going to meditate that. If a man loses the hair of his head, he is bald indeed. The Word of God is alive. It's active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, that's true. And that verse of Scripture is in God's Word for a reason. But that Word of Scripture will be absolutely of no help to you when you're in the midst of temptation. You see, the power of the Word of God is not just any Word from God. It is the specific Word of God you need at the moment. And that is why it is so essential that we know God's Word so well that we know exactly what dagger to pull out when Satan's deceptions come into our life. You know, a great illustration of using the Word of God skillfully comes from the temptation of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness, both Matthew 4 and Luke 4 record the, 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 the story. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. And remember, Satan came and tempted Jesus in three very specific ways, three specific temptations. First of all, Satan tried to tempt Jesus with discontent. God hasn't given you what you need. Why not go ahead and turn these stones into bread? What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture, man shall not live by bread alone. And then he came to Jesus and he said, you know, Jesus, uh, this Messiah thing is taking way too long. Aren't you ready to speed it up? Aren't you ready for everybody to embrace you now? Uh, Let's go up to the pinnacle of the temple. Why don't you throw yourself off the pinnacle? God will be obligated to catch you because after all, his word says, my angels have been given charge over you. And then everybody will accept you as Messiah. How did Jesus respond to that temptation to circumvent God's timetable? Again, he quoted scripture. He said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then he took Jesus up on a high mountain and said, Jesus, see all the kingdoms of the world? They can be yours right now. Not in some millennium, not in some new heaven and new earth. Right now, if you will simply bow down and worship me. And again, Jesus quoted the word of God and said, you shall not worship anyone except the Lord your God. You are to serve him only. And then Luke 4.13 says, when the devil had finished his temptations, he fled from Jesus until a more opportune time. Now, what is it that caused the devil to flee from Jesus? What is it that caused him to wave the white flag of surrender? To my embarrassment, this is what I used to teach and preach and believe. And I bet some of you have heard it and believed it as well. I thought it was the word of God that made Satan flee from Jesus' presence. I always heard it said that, you know, when Jesus started quoting scripture, that's what made Satan flee from the presence of Jesus. Kind of like in those old uh, Raid commercials that used to be on TV. Remember Raid? You remember that, that, that commercial? It was a cartoon commercial, and you would have all of these rodents in a house, and they were just wreaking havoc on the house and just having a great time when suddenly the giant can of Raid appears, and the little bug, the head bug, looks up and sees that giant can and yells, Raid! And then all the other bugs follow him and just scamper out as quickly as they can. They were scared to death of that raid bug repellent. I used to always have that in mind when I would read this story. It tells you something about me. But I would always imagine, here here is Satan marching around Jesus with these temptations, and Jesus sprayed Satan with the word of God. And when Satan started hearing the word of God being quoted, he covered his little uh, demonic ears, and he ran and hid under the rock. The word of God! The word of God! I can't stand it any longer. Have you ever thought that's what happened? That's not what happened. Listen to me. Satan is not afraid of the word of God. 
The power in Jesus quoting Scripture was not what the Scripture did to Satan. It's what it did for Jesus Himself. That Word of God, the right Scripture quoted at the right time, helped cut through the fog of Satan's deception in Jesus' mind. It helped Jesus to see things as they really were. And it's the Word of God that gave Jesus the strength to say no. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now notice, Jesus didn't quote just any verse of Scripture. He quoted the precise Scripture that dealt with the temptation he was facing. When my old professor and mentor, Howard Hendricks, used to teach us from this passage, I'll never forget what he said to us in class one day. He said, men, we all know Jesus was quoting Scripture. But did you know Jesus was quoting from the same book of the Bible in each of those three instances? It was the book of Deuteronomy. All three of those quotes, man shall not live by bread alone. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall worship God and serve Him only. All three of those quotations came from the book of Deuteronomy. And then Prophet Hendricks would say, Men, if your spiritual survival depended upon how well you knew the book of Deuteronomy, how well would you do? And then he would add to the singer, Maybe that's why you're not having any more success in your life than you are. See, knowing God's Word, being able to use it skillfully. If it was necessary and essential for Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, if that is the only way He was able to defeat Satan's attacks, how much more important is it for people like you and me to know God's Word so that we can use it precisely in the right way at the right time to cut that fog of deception, to see truth as it is, to give ourselves the strength we need to say no to the evil one. Somebody has said the test of a man's character is what it takes to stop him. Make no mistake about it. Satan has a plan, a personalized blueprint to stop you in your relationship with God. Fortunately, God's given us the strategies, the weapons we need to move forward. The helmet of salvation, reminding ourselves that we are saved not only from the penalty of sin in the future, but the power of sin right now. And the Word of God, the Word of God through which we can cut through the deceptions of the evil one. (laughs) Against those weapons, our enemy doesn't have a prayer. Paul said, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That firm command has been the focus of our attention for the entire month of August. And as I put the final touches on this teaching series called The Divine Defense, let me encourage you to take advantage of the helpful resources we've prepared just for you. The first is a copy of my best-selling book called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. A copy is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. And as an added bonus, we'll also send you a copy of Equipped for Battle, a highly practical fold-out brochure featuring seven biblical keys to spiritual success. So, when you give a generous gift to support Pathway to Victory, you're going to receive a copy of my book, The Divine Defense, along with the Equip for Battle brochure as well. We're receiving so many registrations already for our Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour to Israel next spring, April 25 through May 5. 
We hope you'll join us for this time of relaxation and spiritual illumination. To find out more about the trip and to take advantage of the early bird discount before September 30th, go to ptv.org. Thank you for your financial support during this volatile season in our nation's history. I'm delighted to report that even though these uncertain days of civil unrest combined with the growing recession, even in spite of all of those things, Pathway to Victory has experienced an amazing season of growth because God is using friends just like you to make our impact for the gospel even greater. So keep up the good work. Your gifts are truly making a difference. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. To request your copy of the best-selling book on defeating Satan's plan for your destruction, contact Pathway to Victory today with a generous gift. Again, the book is titled The Divine Defense, and it also comes with a copy of the popular Equipped for Battle brochure. Call 866-999-2965, or even easier, go online to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, you're also welcome to request the complete CD and DVD teaching series for The Divine Defense. But time is running out to take advantage of this offer. The CD and DVD set can be yours today when you call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You know, a lot of listeners prefer to write. Here's the address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Demonic exorcisms are popular in television and movie plots, but is there a need for exorcism in the real world? Find out the answer to that question next time in a message called Exercising Power Without Exercising Demons. That's Friday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.